to Wild Tater, the Food Forest Podcast. I am Charles Hathaway, and today we are going to talk about my favorite little kind of raspberry. It's actually not a raspberry, but it is a close relative known as the thimbleberry. And if you see this thing, you'll recognize why it is called a thimbleberry. Imagine a raspberry that instead of being a cute little cup shape, when you know, when you pull it off the thing that it's a bowl shape you know it's got this nice flat round bottom and and it's kind of a wide you know almost like a you know the top half of a thimble anyway so that's the thimbleberry rubus parviflorus and this is an herb layer plant we haven't talked about as many of those lately <laughs> we've done a lot of trees herb layers are an important part of the forest garden and uh, food forest we kind of emphasize trees a little bit because when you think of a forest, you think of trees. But in the establishment of a forest, first off, you need that ground layer to, to completely blanket the ground. Nature does not like to be uncovered. She will cover herself either with plants, foliage, grass. And from an evolutionary standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. Bare ground is devastating to life of all kinds, the smallest to the biggest. Everything needs to have life flowing through it. Humans need to have bacteria and fungal and and all the little microscopic cellular things going on inside them, the gut bacteria and so forth. You wipe out any of those essential life forms out of a person and their system will break down very quickly and that is the case with every life form and as a you know on that microscopic level we're just kind of becoming aware of this over the last several decades a hundred years and so forth but over the past couple of decades we have found it to be so incredibly true of nature as well both on the microscopic and the macroscopic levels Life has to be abundant in order for life to remain abundant. That's a funny way of putting it, I suppose. Uh, Better said, you might uh, put it, biodiversity is essential to an ecosystem. An ecosystem is required for self-sustaining food forests, which is what we want. So anyway, the thimbleberry, it occupies this herb layer. And it can be grown from cold hardiness zones 3 to 7, which means it can withstand cold down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. And if you know anything about the cold hardiness of raspberries, you'll recognize that to be exceptionally cold hardy for a raspberry because uh, they tend to be zone 6, sometimes zone 5, once in a while you find a zone four in some cold areas uh, in their shops and so forth. More often in the shops you still find things that are zone six, seven, whatever, when you know they should be growing things colder because the area that they are serving uh, can't keep that alive very well. That said, I'm in a zone five myself and I have several... Um, raspberry-related plants like a loganberry and and some different things, some of which are labeled as Zone 7. And they are doing very well, but um, they would do better if I had (laughs) chosen plants that 
said zone three or zone four, because this is kind of a cold area, as we've mentioned just about every episode. So if you're in a cold area, thimbleberry is going to be one of your best bets for raspberry type berry. The uh, soil pH preference is 6.0 to 7.0, which is actually a little bit higher toward alkaline than a lot of raspberries and other berries prefer. So again, it's a little more alkaline friendly. I've seen sources say that this is very tolerant of calcium carbonate, which is limestone. Now, if you, depending on where you are, if you're in Arizona, Utah, Colorado, maybe Idaho, a good chunk of your soil is made of almost pure limestone, which is one of the reasons it leans toward the alkaline side of things. Now, once things start to grow in it, then it, it takes on that life that is intended for soil to be. You know, that's what uh, um, topsoil is made of. It's, it's all the... Uh, biological life happening on top and uh, that's what nature prefers is that life is going on. I'd say all that because that herb layer of the forest garden is what covers most of the ground. Now we talk about ground cover layers you know the things that are like six inches and below and that's great we certainly have a place for that but it it doesn't tend to do quite as much of the like shadowing thick layers. They, they kind of just blanket the ground a little bit, but these are the thing that give it some depth, I guess you might say, and especially because they can create layers on top of, of the uh, ground cover that whatever's there. Anyway, so the thimbleberry is an herb layer, and its watering needs are medium to low. You don't want to overwater this. This is uh, one that is used to growing on mountainsides and, and so forth, um, often by stream beds, but not like in stream beds. Um, you do want to keep them evenly moist, long enough to get them established, and they are, after that they are rather drought tolerant. Their blooming season is mid-spring to mid-summer, and sometimes they will uh, fruit twice in a year, both spring and fall. Though you don't want to expect it every year, it's kind of a bonus if it does do that. Uh, so its its harvest season is June through August. Its fruiting age is two to three years. And I will mention that the individual canes coming out of the main plant, the main root, and remember that it's growing new canes every year as well as uh, continuing on the old ones. So imagine you've got this clump of root that's growing underneath and these canes growing out of that root. Individual canes are biennial, or you might say that they live two to three years sometimes, and uh, fruit does not grow on the first year cane. So if, if there's a fresh cane that comes out, even if it grows pretty big, it's not going to grow fruit that year. But if you leave that cane alone, then the following year it's likely to grow fruit. So anytime you have a raspberry, blackberry, any of the bramble fruits, that often happens where, uh, where it's the second year 
that uh, fruit begins growing on the canes. And the canes will drop off. It's not like they will stay for year after year. They last two to three years and then, they're, and then they fall off. So letting new growth come every year will get you more fruit. Just don't cut them back. There's just no need to. Once they die, they'll fall over on their own just fine. If, uh, if you can see that they're becoming a problem, then only take the ones that have clearly been dead for a while and, and aren't going to grow again. Um, you're welcome to cut those down. My guess is it'll just be unnecessary. Okay, the pollination for fruit. Thimbleberries are self-fertile, so just one, can, uh, one thimbleberry will be enough to get fruit. However, if you get more fruits or more plants, you will grow more fruit on each plant. Their size at maturity is up to 8 feet tall and 3 to 6 feet wide. That's 2.4 by 1 to 2 meters. Now, the ones I've seen in the wild, these thimbleberries were large patches that had grown probably over decades. Um, and they were about 3 feet tall average. So 8 foot is as high as they probably are likely to get for most people but it's also not uncommon for them to be considerably shorter. But uh, they will grow fruit as soon as they have year-old, you know, entire year-old uh, branches on them. Their preferred habitat is maybe the margins of moist shaded forests. They're native to Canada, Western United States, and Alaska, which explains some of the cold hardiness that they have. Um, they do like that high cold forest. We have some in the mountains not far from my home. Their growth rate is moderate, but their natural re reproductive rate is high through rhizomatous root spreading. So that, you know, it, it's a raspberry thing, and these are in the same family. They like to branch out and grow large patches of thimbleberries, and uh, that is what these will do if allowed to do so, which also leads to their most common propagation method, which is separating those root sprouts. So if you have one popping up a little further out than you wanted them to go or into your path or something, just, you know, scoot back a little bit with the shovel so that you're not hurting any main root um, on that root sprout and uh, dig down and, and pull it out and put it somewhere else. It will then take off and be its own, um, albeit clone, it'll be its own plant from that point. And you can plant it somewhere else that you would like to grow thimbleberries. You can also grow these by seed. It's more challenging. You can look up online a little bit more of how to do that. There is a lot of information about the, the uh, viability of seeds over time. And it appears that five to ten years, you can expect those seeds to last. So I would say probably at least five years if, if you keep them refrigerated somewhere that they'll, they'll be nice and cool above freezing, but uh, not too far above freezing. And they can last a good ten years and uh, still be viable. Their average lifespan, I can't find any direct evidence regarding thimbleberries. However, their cousin species, such as blackberries and raspberries, tend to live 10 to 15 years. Some as low as 5, but 10 to 15 is most common. And since these only fruit in their second or third year, then um, 
it's unlikely that they only live five years. I'm guessing they're somewhere between 10 and 15 years per plant. And of course, when they have those clone uh, root sprouts come up and you allow them to grow, that time starts over So uh, for that sprout. And so allowing those to grow can keep your thimbleberry patch growing pretty much indefinitely. And thimbleberries are in the rosaceae family. A lot of fruits are, if you noticed. <laughs> One thing I do want to mention about the uh, thimbleberry, remember this is the uh, Rubus parviflorus. There is another raspberry, really. It's, it's uh, generally called a flowering raspberry, but it is Rubus odoratus, which is not the same thing. The odoratus is native to eastern United States, and the, uh, this one, the uh, Rubus parviflorus, is native to Canada, western United States, and Alaska. It's a, it's a, I, I don't know that it's necessarily more cold hardy than the other, but it tends to be in some of those areas that can get quite a bit colder. Now, how does the thimbleberry taste? Well, everything I can find suggests that it tastes very good. Um, what I do not find is consistency of, you know, descriptions of in what ways they are good. Some people say that it's, it's kind of like a super raspberry, very, very potent flavor. And others say it's a really bland or mild raspberry, but still good. And, um, you know, others say it's more tart. Um, it it kind of runs across the gamut as far as uh, what their general flavor is like. But people do seem to agree that it's, it's delicious. Um, but, and I think there may be a pretty genetic, a, a diverse genetic trait among these thimbleberries, which means there's an opportunity there for people to start establishing thimbleberries and establishing varieties of thimbleberry because when I go up into the mountains near my home that has the thimbleberries, there's several patches of them up there, and in the different patches, I can go, you know, 15 feet away from one patch to another, and the leaves are very different. They've got kind of the same texture, almost the same color, but, you know, one looks kind of maple leaf shape. They've all got a little bit of that raspberry leaf look but one looks almost like a maple leaf, another looks more like a star, and one of them looks more like a big heart. They're, they're really kind of diverse as far as the different kinds of uh, leaves, which makes me think that maybe there's just as much diversity in the fruit itself. Now, if there is a particular one that you like, let's say that you order a bunch of different thimbleberries, and there's one that you're just like, oh my gosh, the fruit on this thing is amazing propagate that one. Encourage it to grow further out. When you get those root sprouts, take it and mix it into your other ones to try to push that variety more. Because two different thimbleberries grown from two different seeds are two different varieties of thimbleberry. And regardless of what the leaves look like, if the fruit is amazing, then you might want to propagate that and even find ways to uh, share and, you know, clone and share your 
variety that you've got um, so that you know more people will take to the thimbleberry. I think it's a m much underutilized resource. I will say too that um, you can do uh, propagating through root branch cuttings and also by what's called layering where you take a branch that's say this extended out branch um, you kind of lean it to the ground and then bury a portion of it of that branch so it's still sticking out into the light and the sun um, at the end but somewhere along that branch it's buried at a nodule and if you know anything about plants nodules are the bumps along the stem it's where leaves usually grow from it's where roots usually grow from when you're rooting uh, the plants and uh, it's it's basically where the action is and so you bury a nodule or two and over time it'll grow roots to those uh, nodules and then it, once they really get good and strong you can cut off cut it off right beyond those roots toward the mother plant you know separate from the mother plant at that point you can either dig it up and move it around to somewhere else or you can just you know point those those branches that you're laying down in the direction that you would like new plants to grow and then you don't even have to dig it up or cut it off you just leave it there and let it do its thing and it will be like oh yeah i'm a new plant so i'm gonna you know start growing up and bigger and out this way now and so forth so it, it's a great way to spread your thimbleberry patch and back to the thimbleberry flavor let's talk about what you can use them for we already talked about how delicious they are albeit different per plant for all intents and purposes this is really a kind of raspberry which is to say you can use any use them for any recipe that calls for raspberries you can you know and you can find specific recipes for thimbleberry jam thimbleberry pie thimbleberry whatever and we will link some of those on our pinterest board which you can get to at uh, wildtater.com by clicking uh, food forest recipes at the top menu there but um yeah, anything that calls for raspberries, you can do thimbleberries for it. They're about the same size. They might be a slightly different flavor, depending, again, on which kind you get. Uh, but uh, they are of the same family and pretty much the same use. They're just more cold-hardy and have some you know, more drought tolerance than a lot of raspberries do. They're totally worth getting if you can get them. And then, you know, make all the raspberry, any things that you want to, muffins. Uh, I found some thimbleberry cookies. And once again, you can do anything with them that you can do with raspberries. So thimbleberries, a total winner in my book. Thank you again for listening.